Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24 7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. What's going on, everybody? It's Eagles Brawl co-host Connor Miles. I just want to let you know about our partnership with DraftKings. Football is here, and so is your shot at millions. Thanks to our sponsorship with DraftKings, all new players can play for free for millions with your first deposit. So let me just let you know how it works real quick. So you go to DraftKings, and you create your first ever DFS account with DraftKings. You make a deposit, minimum $5.00. And DraftKings will credit your account with a free entry to numerous of contests that can win you millions. Just go to dkng.co slash brawlpod to play. That's dkng.co slash b-r-a-w-l-p-o-d to play. Quick, Act quickly. This offer won't be around forever. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and go over there and sign up and support your favorite Eagles podcast, Eagles Brawl. What's going on, everybody? It's Connor Miles, co-host of the Eagles Brawl here. I just want to give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors. That's Manscaped. Go ahead. The holidays are here. It's time to get your loved ones trimmed and nicely trimmed, that is, by going to manscaped.com and using promo code BRAWL, that's B-R-A-W-L, to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. You know it. He knows it. He needs to trim up. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off your order and free shipping when using promo code BRAWL, B-R-A-W-L. Support your favorite Eagles podcast, Eagles Brawl, when purchasing an item off of Manscaped.com and also take care of that person you love. Alright, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl. 
of the Brawl Network. However you're listening, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We are powered by Manscaped Fanatics and DraftKings. Co-host Connor Miles here and joining me as always our Eagles Brawl Insider, Ed Cross. Ed, Jalen Hurts, man. It's it's getting contagious. The the mania is getting contagious around him. This his performance against the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, my God, the guy lit the world on fire. He lit the offense on fire. Not expecting that type of performance. I know it's a loss, but this is a loss that I could definitely stomach because of Jalen Hurts looking that good. Um, I'm just going to start off with saying, you know, the reports come out about Carson Wentz, and obviously he doesn't want to be a backup quarterback, which we'll get into a little bit, but. Uh, even despite the reports coming out, Jalen Hurts goes up and puts up another great performance. What do you, if you're waking up and you're Jeffrey Lurie this morning, what's going through your mind? Uh, you know, until they make a decision on who this starter is going to be in 2021, I don't think the Eagles can move forward. Um, you know, but certainly Hurts has <laughs> given Lurie a lot to think about. Um, you know, just what he was able to do. I mean, that game was fun to watch. I mean, yeah, it was a loss, but, you know, you're down 16 to nothing with two minutes to go in the first quarter, and you think they're just going to get waxed. You know, this is going to be like a 35 to, you know, 10 type of game. And um, But, wait, you know, Hurts really put them on his back, and you could just see a passion and a, deter- a determination uh, to get this team back in it and win it. You know, he threw three touchdown passes in the first half. I think Carson Wentz has five touchdown passes all season in the first half. And Hertz had three in that first half yesterday, and they needed every one of them uh, to get back in the game. And then to get them back tied at 26 all after being in that 16 nothing hole, I mean, that to me showed a lot of determination, passion, um, enthusiasm, a lot of intangible stuff. I mean, you can say what you want about his numbers, and they were terrific, 338 yards passing. Four touchdowns, three through the air, one with his legs, which was terrific run that he had from seven yards out, kind of pulling Buda Baker away, you know, with him toward the goal line. Buda Baker's got his arms wrapped around his leg and Hurts refuses to go down. Um, but I've just, paid safety in the NFL too. Yeah, right. And he just pulled him right into the end zone with him for that touchdown. So, uh, you know, a lot of intangible stuff I liked with, with Hertz yesterday. And we're going to inevitably make all these comparisons with him and Carson, like I just did there with the touchdown passes in the first half. And, and maybe that's the one thing I kind of hate about this is I've seen a lot of, uh, I guess, hatred. That's a pretty strong word, but a lot of dislike for Carson Wentz on, you know, social media and, you know, get rid of them and all this other stuff. Um, you know, and I hate to see that and I hate to make these comparisons, but right now Jalen Hurts looks like the guy that could be the starting quarterback in 2021. Right. And I mean, like you said, it's a small sample size. No decisions yeah. are going to be made tomorrow or the next week or really until the off season. But I mean, it's hard to contain this type of talent that he's showcasing you in the early returns. I mean, yeah, um, the transformation of Jalen Hurts from a quarterback at Alabama to who he was at Oklahoma as a Heisman finalist—really, his first real year of true quarterback play under Lincoln Riley. I mean, in Alabama, he was more of a take-off and run option type quarterback. He wasn't really a pocket passing type quarterback. Lincoln Riley tapped into his really his pocket passing potential, and now he comes into the NFL, his second full year of really playing true quarterback play, uh, first year in the NFL. 
in a horrible offense, in an offense that's completely falling apart, uh, where the head coach is being questioned if he should even be retained. And he comes out and put performances like against the New Orleans, the number one uh, seed in the NFC, New Orleans Saints. And he puts up a performance like this against the Arizona Cardinals that wills the team back into that game, which you said yourself, the deficit was on the board. Usually when this team gets down like that, especially this season, it's over for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To have Jalen Hurts show you the early returns of what he can be, especially considering how raw he is, because I think that's what we're, the concept that's being missing when evaluating Jalen Hurts is he's not even close to finished pocket. He's still very raw in terms of uh, being a pocket passer, being a passing type quarterback. But he's showing you that you can work with that. You can build on that. You can develop that. And he can be a franchise caliber quarterback. He has that it factor. And if you can't see that by now, if you can't see the way the offense responds to his uh, mentality, the way he attacks the game, the way he approaches the game, or the way he every drive counts, it doesn't matter how, what the score is. That's what it takes to be a franchise quarterback in this league. That's the it factor that everybody talks about. He's showing that in his second NFL start. Yeah. Tough to contain this thing, man. You can't put that back on the bench, I don't think. I, I like how he did it against two completely different defenses, too. You know, he beat, he beat the Saints with his legs. You know, he ran for 106 yards in that win against New Orleans, and, and that was the number one defense uh, in the NFL. And then he goes against the Cardinals defense that uh, sometimes played without a defensive lineman on the field. You know, they play with all linebackers and D-backs and speed, speed, speed. And yet he was still able to run for 63 yards, uh, but he did it mostly with his arm yesterday and with 338 yards passing. That, to me, um, you know, Wentz, I think, had a 359-yard game against the Giants. That was the only 300-plus-yard passing game for the Eagles this season. And then Hertz comes in in his second start and does it. Um, and he had seven plays that went for 23 yards or longer in the passing game. And, um, I mean, you can just go on and on with some of the things that he did and some of the things to be excited about. Uh, about Jalen Hurts. And, you know, it, we keep talking about Doug and Carson being linked at the hip here. And, you know, you wonder if neither one will go or both will go. Um, you know, I think one of the indictments against Doug is this team still gets off to these slow starts. I mean, you, you thought maybe last week against New Orleans, they got off to a fast start. They had a 17 nothing lead at halftime. Yesterday they came out and it was 9 nothing before the Eagles even had their first first down. So, um, you know, you can't say that was on Carson and execution. That to me comes down to preparation uh, with Peterson. And, and, you know, these slow starts, you really have to look at them hard when you're evaluating Doug Peterson here in the offseason as these st- slow starts put teams too far behind to completely catch up. The Eagles did yesterday, but then they couldn't score anymore after they tied it at 26 all. So you really have to examine these slow starts, and you can't say it's on Carson uh, for that. Um, it has to be on the coaching staff. Not only that, I mean, to go back to Jalen real quick, it's not like he's going up against slouch defenses like you said. He's going up against a Dennis Allen coach defensive uh, front that's one of the best in the league, and really he's referred to as one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And then he goes to Arizona and plays against Vance Joseph's scheme, who's, again, one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. He's not playing slouch defenses when he's doing performing up to these standards. It's something to build upon. It's something to yeah. you have to take notice on. Even if it's two games, you have to notice this. You have to say, well, this is something that we didn't expect. Because I'll tell you right now, uh, anyone that says Jalen Hurts was thrown over for 300 yards yesterday before the game happened, probably besides himself, I don't know anybody else. (laughs) 
there's no one thought that was happening. Uh, yeah. Everybody thought it was going to be like the same thing against the Saints, and he takes off mostly running a lot. He's showing signs of being a true pocket passer. I mean, not a true pocket passer, but he's showing signs that he can be a pocket passer. Uh, they just need to work on it. But to your point about Doug, look, I don't think any, I don't think anything Jalen Hurts has done. That's a, I mean, it, everything's been impressive so far, but I don't think anything masked Doug Peterson's flaws. I don't think it masked offense's flaws. At the end of the day, he's still going to have to answer for this because unless this team gets to the playoffs, I don't see how you bring Doug back. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, that's crazy. Like, I mean, look at Jalen now. The offense is rejuvenated, but it's really not. It's just Jalen Hurts playing that good. I think that's another thing that I has to take into account. Jalen Hurts is elevating the bad play that's going on around him, the bad offensive line play, the bad play calling. I mean, you're right. These slow starts, you, it just can't yeah, happen. It can't great. happen. That's not how you're going to win games. You can't play no. from behind. Every single game, expect to win. That's a huge reason why you're five nine and one. I mean, four nine and one. But if they go to the playoffs, so they do win this division, I, I I just don't know what Lurie does then because I think that might be enough for him to say, okay, we'll give you another chance, though, but we are going to make some changes. Now, it just depends how you get Doug on board with that. I don't know. I don't know how because especially since you have to deal with this quarterback situation, I don't know if, how you get Doug on board with. All right, you need to. A, bring in a new play caller for offense, and you need to just give up the play calling duties to him, and then B, deal with Carson and Jalen. Yeah, I, don't, I I think it's very tough to bring back both Peterson and Wentz, and you know who who's the easier one to get rid of? It's Doug because Carson's contract is so you know difficult right. to trade. But there will be suitors. You know, I think the culture perfect match. The Jets won a game. They may not get Trevor Lawrence. Who knows how they feel about Justin Fields or you know some of the other QBs in this draft, but. Um, if you, I, I just don't see how you bring back both Doug and Carson at this point. I really don't. And, no, I don't, I don't, and, and Doug I don't just know. seems like the easier one to move on from, but Carson presents the bigger problem because I'm not sure he's going to want to come in and spring next year and have to compete to be the starter. You know, I know we saw it when Chip Kelly came in, you know, uh, in 2013, uh, throwing that competition open, but I just think having that type of competition could really devour a team that is going to have to pick sides. You know, in that situation, you're going to have teammates picking who you want to be your quarterback. And I don't think that's good, a good situation. So um, no easy decisions here at all. Um, I know we've talked in the past, I would love to see them bring in Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma just to and move on from both Doug and, and Carson. Um, and bring in Lincoln and let him work with Jalen. I mean, what Riley has done in Oklahoma producing, you know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. I mean, just, you know, that track record alone would indicate to me, let's, let's bring him on. I don't know if, I don't know anything about Lincoln Riley. I don't know if he'd be willing to leave uh, Norman, Oklahoma, but man, that would be pretty darn exciting if they were able to move on from both Doug and Carson. And I'm not saying that's the right move at all, but it would certainly be an exciting move. High Ruffin is incredibly close with Lincoln Riley. Like they have an abnormal relationship, they really do. It, it's the truth, man. It, Lincoln Riley persuaded uh, Howie into some of these picks. He he talked Howie into Jalen Rager himself, and he talked him into Jalen Hurts. I I I definitely think that's who Howie would definitely target as his next head coach if that's uh, the route they go on. I just don't think Lincoln Riley's going to accept. I mean, great job at Oklahoma wants to win national championship and he gets paid way more than he would in the NFL. I, I don't know. It's going to be a tough, tough sell, but I mean, 
if they do decide, hey, we'll fix this and we'll go with Doug, I, I Carson can't come back. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I know that this article comes out, ESPN, and we're all making a big deal about it, which, I mean, I don't know what anybody expected. I would, I would be pissed if Carson Wentz was okay with being a backup. Um, especially with a, his salary rate, but right. I, once you show that quarterback you're willing to pull him when he struggles, you can't come back from that. You can't come back from it. It doesn't matter what the context is. You can't come back from that because now Carson's always going to have to play with the back of his mind thinking this this head coach doesn't believe in me is to his full capacity. Uh, yeah. If I do struggle again, I'm, I'm putting myself out there vulnerable to get benched. And the whole dynamic's just strange between what's going on now with Doug, you know, really coming out after a game and not even saying Jalen's going to start next week. You know, he's kind of on a week to week. You know, I don't know if that's Doug just trolling us or whatever, but it, it's just a weird dynamic that, you know, he still feels this link to Carson to kind of keep him in play. And I don't know whether that's to make Carson happy or, or what it is, but, you know, just the way he's handled things so far doesn't give me a lot of confidence should the two of them come back together uh, in the spring and handling how things are, you know, do you go back? Well, Jalen's our guy this week. I mean, you know, or do you make sure you firmly commit to Hertz or Wentz? I mean, I just don't see how Doug can handle uh, an open quarterback uh, battle in the spring. I just don't. Oh no, no. I mean, I don't think he would handle it well. Um, And, like I said, I think he's the easier one to move on from than Carson. But, you know, the more logical one to move on from to me would be Carson. But it's not easy. It won't be easy to to have to absorb some of the financial hit that you're going to have to take. My only theory that goes into him not announcing Jalen as the starter is you want to show teams that you still value Carson. That Carson still is valued in this organization. We're just putting him on the shelf because he needs to mentally reset. But in doing so, you're continuing to make the value still go up instead of decrease the way it is decreasing because Jalen looks so good and you want to roll with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, same way as Sam Bradford. I mean, you draft Carson once, the writing was on the wall for Bradford's tenure, but you still talked his game up. You still uh, kept him around until the opportunity presented himself to move on from him and, and you got the return that you wanted. I think that's the same thing here. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything different here. I don't, I, I don't think they would want teams to know, Hey, we're thinking about going to Jalen hurts. So, cause if once that team thinks that the value goes down, you're already losing value, especially with that contract already being as it is. But I mean, I saw a team trade for Nick Foles' contract. I'm not stressed about a team trading for Carson Wentz's contract. I think the Eagles could get it done. I just don't know if, I don't know if two games is going to be enough. I don't even know if the rest of the season is going to be enough for them to convince themselves to move on from Carson Wentz. I mean, this is a quarterback that they committed to with extremely early, way earlier than they had to. This is a quarterback they they took it with the second pick of the draft. They traded up for. They specifically targeted him when trading up for him, and they made all those moves. I mean, I don't know if they're completely out on him yet, to be honest with you. I don't have that feeling just yet, but I do think you have to respect the talent that Jalen's showing you. You have to respect the the potential he's showing you. And uh, there's no, I mean, with how Carson played this season, he played like the worst starting quarterback in the league. It's just the truth. We have to accept that. He played like the worst starting quarterback in the league. He played like a benchable level caliber of play. So you have to, you can't just go into the next offseason and hand him the job. Especially with the way Jalen's showing you. You have to have a quarterback battle. If he's not prepared to do that, 
then he's showing you that he has, then he, he made the decision for you. Who you go with a quarterback. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I think I read somewhere, it might've been one of the uh, NFL network and, and analysts say that, you know, a starting quarterback is not a lifetime appointment. You know, it's not like a Supreme court justice where you, you're appointed and you get to serve forever. I mean, it's still, a, a, a you still have to compete every day and you still have to prove that you're worthy of holding that job. And Carson just wasn't able to do that this season. I mean, he's, I think he's still, his 19 turnovers this season still leads all quarterbacks and he hasn't played for two weeks. I mean, that's how bad he's been is that no one's been able to catch him in that, you know, unfortunate category there of leading the league in turnovers. So that just shows you how bad he's been. And, you know, unless Carson's mindset somehow changes and realizes I need to, you know, improve my game somehow, I need to, you know, really seriously think about what I need to do to turn myself around and realize first that he has this issue. I'm not sure, you know, he realizes how bad he's been. I think he looks around and says, oh, my offensive line was no good. My receivers didn't get open. The play calls weren't good. But Unless he takes 100% accountability, I'm not sure he'll be able to resurrect himself and uh, and become a starter again. I think he can do it, but whether it's here, I don't think it can. I don't. I just don't. I just don't think it will be here. I really, I really don't see how he can do that here in this city, especially after the fan base has seen what Jalen Hurts has done. I don't think the Eagles can go back to him unless Hurts gets hurt or falls completely flat on his face, and I don't think we're going to see that. I mean, Hurts is playing well enough to give this team some juice and this fan base a lot of juice yeah i yeah i don't know man i mean you, we would set it off air he's looking like a young russell wilson out there I and mean, he's not there in terms of passing yet what i didn't think russell was when he first entered the league either i thought russell was dynamic he had still insanely good stats his rookie year he threw 26 touchdowns and 10 interceptions but i mean i when he was in the league, he would take off and run a lot. When he first started, he made the the quick passes. The wasn't that much reckless with it. Wasn't that much of a deep passer that he is now. Uh, I think there's enough to build upon with Jalen. I just think we need to add the context in there that looked. I mean, he he's still really raw in terms of quarterback play. But look at the early return. Look what he's showing you. I mean, that's why it's hard for me now. Even with these two games going in, and I love Carson Wentz to death. But it's hard. I mean, I don't know how you can be an Eagles fan this morning and wake up and say Jalen Hurts isn't winning me over. I really don't. I mean, no. I mean, this what, offense what, is broken. Yeah, His play calling is broken. I mean, he's playing up to these levels with all that context being added. This offensive line is completely broken. Matt Pryor is awful huh. at right tackle. Yeah, well, he's third string for a reason. I mean, listen, the the O line injuries. I mean, six guys season ending injuries. Um, they are what they he's, are. He's a, he, he's a guard playing tackle. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, he, he could be a reserve guard. He's like, you know, maybe an eighth or ninth lineman on this team. Yeah. Who else do you have? I mean, I, really, he gave up four of the six sacks. I looked at the game pass uh, Monday, and um, it's just terrible, terrible outing for Matt Pryor. He's reaching. His foot footwork's bad. Um, they really need to make a move to go to another guy and – who is the other guy? Brett Toth, um, Prince Tega Wanagahu, the uh, seventh round pick, I believe he was, um, who hasn't been off the practice squad all year. I mean, their options are really down to, you know, plan Z at this point um, at that right tackle spot. Um, 
I like yeah. Prince though. I I did. He was. I thought the hit reason why for his fall was because of the knee concerns. So yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. I mean, look, you're five nine. I mean, you're four nine and one. I keep seeing five nine one. You're four nine and one. Like evaluate what you have. Matt Pryor is not going to help you going forward. Well, if you think he can do a better job than than Pryor, then yeah, sure. Let him let him go out there and play. Um, can he be any worse? I mean. Oh. Can Brett Tuck be anywhere seriously? I mean, I'm not saying these guys are going to come in and light the world on fire. I doubt it. But, I mean, someone's got to be playing better than this. Come on. Four yeah. sacks. I, I know. I know. It's, it's you know, and it could have been more. But, you know, Hertz has that ability to kind of keep plays alive. He knows kind of he can feel the pressure. He he does a good job. He doesn't panic in the pocket. He's able to kind of Never. find uh, some space to get free. Um, and that's another good thing you like about Hertz this morning when you wake up. And, you know, what else is cool is that, He's thrown four touchdown passes this year, and three of them have come on fourth down. You know, he had two to Ward, the one against the Packers, and then yesterday he had the fourth and three uh, TD to him, and then the other one was to Alshon Jeffrey against the Saints. So three of his four touchdowns have come on fourth down, and the other mm-hmm. one was on a third and 20 short throw to Quez Watkins, who, you know, turned made a great move, a spin move inside, and then went outside uh, and jetted down the sideline. So, I mean, that – Quez looked good. Quez Watkins looked good on that. Uh, I mean, right, rightfully, everybody was complaining, where have we seen that all year? And I was like, rightfully so. Because like, yeah. he looked good. Um, yeah, Jalen is so composed in the pocket. It's His demeanor is just insane and cool to watch. Uh, my thing is, first, first, I saw this and I couldn't believe it. First NFL player in NFL history to fill over 500 passing yards. And 150 rushing yards in his first two career starts. Wow! Yeah, I didn't see that. That's amazing. That's big. Yeah, the first player in NFL history. Yeah, That's big. Like, I mean, yeah. Lamar Jackson's in the league, guys. Michael Vick was in the league. Yeah, Pat like, Mahomes didn't do it either. You know, the greatest quarterback yeah, like, you know, of this generation. He he didn't do it. Um, yeah, that's it's weird. That's, it's weird. I don't know if it's weird to you, but because you have a good sense of how social media is going, it's weird to me that like. I feel like if Carson was doing this stuff in 2016, we would be going way more bonkers about him than we were. But when Jalen does this stuff, we're always like, eh. Like, we're still like, you know, show me what he does next week with more film on him. Show me what, like, eh, Carson's still my guy. Carson's still this. He still has the work. Jalen's still a work in progress. He's a, I don't, I don't get it, man. I mean, he's a rookie. You're a, a rookie. I just think, you know, it's a fan base just drawing drawing sides, you know, picking sides. Um, I don't understand it. I, I, they, they both wear green, guys. They both wear green. But, I, no matter what, and I said this before and I'll say it again, I feel like the – and it's weird too because the saying goes, if you have two quarterbacks, it means you have none. But I feel like no matter what decision the Eagles go with, they're in good hands because I believe in both of these quarterbacks' talent levels. Yeah. And, you know, look, if they get rid of Carson, who's the backup to Jalen Hurts? Do they have to go out and draft somebody? I guess they have to sign somebody, you know, as, as a – Suds. So, <laughs> yeah, they'll have to sign Suds, and, you know, who knows what Suds is. Uh, who did? haven't seen him more than, you know, that one game in a meaningless game against Dallas. Uh, if, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. If they go – if, 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 if he leaves – Yeah. No, if – no, if, because I don't know, they might sign him just because the familiar. If they bring Doug back, right. it's definitely a possibility. But yeah. uh, I would go with a mobile quarterback and like Jalen Hurts. I would go for a quarterback that plays like his, like really like a Brett Hundley type backup or something like that. Because 
if Jalen Hurst goes down, I need the offense to, I need Doug to call whatever he's doing for Jalen to be the same for his, his backup quarterback. Cause, uh, when he changes from court, from where he play calls from each type of quarterback, there's a noticeable difference. I think the one thing I could tell this season with the difference between quarterbacks when you change them is how much, how scared Doug was to run Carson, how scared he was to get Carson to get hurt, how he limited him in the pocket. Now he doesn't feel that way at all. That weight is lifted off his shoulders in the play calling department. You could tell so fluidly with Jalen Hurts back there. I just think the back issues, the injuries with Carson Wentz play more into Doug Pearson's mind. Maybe they need to do Carson. Yeah. And and maybe they impact Carson too. I mean, he's been through these. Oh, they do for sure. They rehabs do. and you know all these situations with the injuries. You, you wonder if it hasn't affected him in some way. But you know, when Carson played, he was he was tough, man. He yeah. he ran the ball hard, just like Jalen. He doesn't have that you know that same mobility or speed or that burst coming out of the pocket. But you know, there's no question in how hard he played. Uh, for the Eagles, but so I don't think he was really worried too much about his previous injuries. Maybe Doug was, though. I think we just all we all have breaking points. We're all human beings. Be I mean, with this report coming out about Carson, I mean, I, I a lot of people thought this is how he generated this report, which I'm like, I don't believe that at all. I think that would hinder trade value. I feel like this is probably Carson's agency driven report just to show that he's available because uh, I think a lot of people see his contract and they immediately think yeah that's they're gonna have to keep him and deal with that so maybe his agency goes no not really like we're willing to talk if, if he doesn't want to be a backup so yeah he's gonna have to be a backup we're willing to talk because he's not gonna be a backup like I don't think it's a team driven report uh but I everybody has their mentally mental breaking point Carson had to watch his backup with the Super Bowl. He has his backup statue out in front of the stadium. The team drafted a quarterback in the second round after he finally proved to them that he could roll the team to the playoffs, no matter the talent around him on offense. I mean, I wouldn't blame the guy. Yeah. He's getting to that point. But at the same time, I need my franchise quarterback to put all this stuff in the back burner and play, worry about what he can control. And I thought a lot of times this year, the huge thing that I, I, I came to reality on Carson Wentz. I was just like everybody else considered Carson Wentz a top five caliber quarterback, top eight, really. I truly believe he was top eight for sure. I believe he could be top five. I think the season finally just, I, I don't know about everybody else. I know we can make all these excuses and stuff, but I believe Carson Wentz could be a great quarterback again, but I don't think he could be that good of a caliber quarterback because those caliber quarterbacks perform well despite what's going wrong around them. They don't have to win these games. They don't have to go to the playoffs each year. They have to individually play well. The guy I'm thinking of really off the top of my head is Matthew Stafford over in Detroit. Never does he not play well. It's the team. That team lets him down every time. Statistically, individually, he does what he has to do to put up numbers for that team to win. They just never do. They're a bad team. They're always badly. They're poorly coached outside of Jim Caldwell during his era. But with Carson Wentz, this season... You looked like something was wrong with you. You looked like you were looking over your shoulder. You looked like you were worried about something. You looked like you were second-guessing every single thing you did on the football field. Franchise franchise quarterbacks don't do that. That's not how franchise quarterbacks should be playing. So I love you, Carson. I believe in you. But you do worry me now, and I kind of 
had the, I, you know, reality hit me kind of hard. I, I will say it's so weird though. Like with the whole running game thing, like, you know, Doug didn't seem to really want to give Miles Sanders the ball that much when Carson played. Now, yesterday we saw Miles Sanders get 17 carries, and he, he wasn't really lighting up the world on fire with the way he ran the ball yesterday. I think he oh. averaged 3.8 yards a carry. Uh, but just that commitment to keep giving him the ball over and over again, we didn't see that when Carson was in there. So, you know, to me, the whole dynamic with the play calling is strange too. Like, yeah, okay, maybe Doug's not afraid to put – Jalen Hurts out there and move him around a little bit and uh, run him, you know, some designed run plays. But just his commitment, too, to the running game has been different, let's face it, with Jalen at quarterback as opposed to Carson. I mean, those 17 carries Sanders had yesterday were a surprise number for me. Um, and, and it was just him that carried the ball. There, Boston Scott didn't get a carry. Jalen Rager did get one on that uh, end around that lost 10 yards, but it was just Miles getting the ball and he got it 17 times, which is a lot for him. I, that might have been a season high, actually. He's, he, he just looks like he's game, call, he's play calling for a rookie quarterback instead of a quarterback that he thought was a top five caliber quarterback. That's mm-hmm. different, I think. I think yeah, he's just scaling it back, trying to support his rookie quarterback. I, I think the dynamic between Doug and Carson, I mean, again, this is an assumption because. A little bit of assumption. Another bit of assumption is from hearing from my sources on the my source on the team is that I don't know if it's Doug and Carson are as rock solid as we thought. I think they're proving that to you. See, I think Doug views Carson in some sort of light, which I, I get it. I mean, the whole entire organization did at one point view this guy as a top five caliber quarterback. But I mean, I feel like the way you play call with him, it's now that you have two comparisons to put against this season is the game called for him thinking Carson's got this. Let him do his thing. Whereas you're with Jalen, you're like, I can't trust Jalen. He's a quarterback. He hasn't seen the game yet. I have to help him out. I, I, I think it's clear as day. You're seeing those two, those two differences in the play calling then and there. And I mean, Frank Reich really pushed Carson once. John T. Filippo really pushed Carson once. Is Doug Peterson really pushing Carson once? I don't think so. Or Press Taylor, for that matter. I mean, were either guy doing him any favors? You know, we saw, and we saw, I think we saw Jalen do some audibling yesterday. I don't know how much, but you heard him say kill, kill a few times, just like Carson had done in the past. And um, maybe he had a little bit more freedom yesterday, but, you know, maybe Doug should have reined in some of that ability that Carson had to change the play at the line of scrimmage and just execute it. Um, You know, they've been together for five years. And I can understand Doug's point of view is he doesn't want to have to feel like he needs to hold Carson's hand to get him through this. Carson needs to kind of figure out a way to to get himself through this, okay? I mean, it's not all on Doug. Um, Carson has to take some, uh, you know, some accountability here too. And um, The approach that Doug takes with Carson, it's like, Carson, hold my hand. Like, it's not like like I'm going to hold your hand. It's hold my hand through this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he does put a lot on Carson's plate, and maybe it's too much. You know, maybe he should back off a little bit when you look, start I, making, going down the tubes. You know, let's do something different. Let me have more of a reign over you now, Carson, than you've had than you've had over me in the past. And let me just clarify this real quick because I hate talking about the Frank Reich stuff. I don't think Frank Reich being the head coach of this team makes them much different than what they are. To be quite honest with you, I think he's a good head coach. I don't think he's a better head coach than Doug. Honestly, I don't. 
I think he's a good play caller. There's, there's, it's just so much difference that goes into being a head coach than just play calling. So that's where I think there's a difference between Doug and Frank. So when I say this stuff about Frank and I say this stuff about John, don't take this as me just joining the narratives. I never believed that, personally. I never believed that the loss of Frank was that much damning on this Eagles offense as everybody else did. I do think it hurt them in the point of – see, and I, this is what's great about this podcast. I build these relationships. I talk to you more, and you're the one who told me, hey, no, Frank and Doug would game plan each night together going into a game. Like That's how the game was scripted pretty well in 2017 is because those guys were planning it the night before. And I do think he misses that. That's a huge context that needs to be added. And I hope more people take listen to this episode and realize, like, this is it. Like, I mean, having that offensive coordinator that's a really good play caller really does help Doug. But the other side of it is I just I just didn't believe that stuff, that Carson and Frank had that much of an impact together. And then I, you know, get closer to the Ertz family and you hear differently. Like, you hear, like, you know, I mean, Frank and Carson really – Frank was the one who would push Carson. Frank was the one that would challenge Carson each day. Frank was the one that really got what he needed to get out of Carson. He was the one that Carson would talk to on the sidelines and go over with the, the tablet with real quick. So when you, when you take away Frank from that and you look at Doug and Carson's relationship, you look at it, Doug and you think, what are you doing with Carson? And what I could take away from it, from what it hears like, it's like, Carson, we hail you. You are the elite caliber quarterback. You are our franchise quarterback. Go do as you must. Like, you can't do that. Like, Press Taylor, this is Buddy. Mm-hmm. Press Coach, that's his buddy. Like, Doug Peterson is the guy who calls plays, but Carson, do whatever you want. And when yeah, you have that's, a- just, that's, not, that's not how the NFL works. That's not how Tom Brady and Bill Belichick worked. Like, yeah. that's just not how it works. And I know in this business, the employees make more than the bosses. And that's what happened in this case, too, is Carson all of a sudden is now out earning, you know, everybody on the team together. I mean, you know, so did that change him in any way? You know, the the contract situation, you like to think not. But when you start making that kind of coin and, you know, you're making more than the head coach, (laughs) you know, the the boss, uh, maybe that changes you in some way, too. I mean, if Carson's already focused on not being the backup and he's already thinking about What's next? He's obviously blaming everybody but himself, though. To be honest with you, so he's he, he I, I if if you had an honest conversation with Carson once and you said what was going wrong this season, I feel like play calling comes up. I feel like if he if he honestly asked him from his viewpoint, and you told him we're not going to link this to the media, we're not going to we're not going to destroy your reputation. What do you think went wrong this season? He's like, we just we weren't good play calling. We tried to switch from a. I mean, we still favor 12 personnel, but we try to go to this more 11 look. We try to go with this Rich Gangrello effect, this morning morning wig influence, and we mixed it with what Doug had, and it was crap. Yeah. That's what I think was wrong with this season. So I feel like that's one of the first things he says. And that's one of the first things I would say as a Philadelphia Eagles fan from watching this season, which is wrong with his offense. Yeah. But so if Carson believes that, then you got to think that he's pointing fingers at Doug. Well, and and you can point at the offensive line too. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, oh, absolutely, you absolutely. Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson on the right side all season. I mean, how how different would this team look? You know, would Carson have played better? Uh, would Miles Sanders have a thousand yards yeah. by now? And so I think that has to go into context more into why Doug is holding scaling back on the run uh, on the running game is because 
I know he's unleashing it more with Jalen Hurts, and I feel like the reason why is because he's trying to age his rookie quarterback. But yeah. I think the huge reason why is if you go back last season, you look at Miles Sanders' production, most of it came from the right side. Either it was the inside uh, zone on the right or the outside zone on the right. That was where he was most productive as a runner, by far, too, yeah. if you look it up, by far. Uh, not having Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, I think, is crucial to why Doug scales back on the running game. Yeah. I think it's it hinders his reason. I mean, again, not a good excuse, though. You still should lean on the run. You should say, Miles Sanders is the best playmaker on that offense. You still need to lean on your playmakers and just hope that they make the plays. Yeah. But I do think the lack of faith on the offensive line, especially on the right side where your running back thrived on, is probably plays into the factor into why Doug scaled it back on the running more than uh, we want to admit or more than we want to acknowledge. And, and people might say, well, you know, Lane Johnson played eight games or ten games, however many games he played. But he, he didn't play at 100% all season after that tightrope ankle surgery he had in August. So, you know, he was, you know, a shell really of himself. Even though he was out there trying to help the team, he just wasn't himself. If you have those two healthy guys side by side, I, I say this team's probably has won the NFC East by now, to be yeah. honest with you. And even Andre Dillard, I mean, you, know, you can say what you want about Milada, but even if Dillard stays healthy and shows what the Eagles saw in him to be a first-round pick, you know, you get those three guys that play a full season, and, you know, the Eagles are probably sitting here nine wins maybe, maybe more, who knows, but they're certainly, they would have already wrapped up the NFC East if their line was healthy. Well, I mean, Dillard, a left tackle, Milada, right tackle to fill in for Lane would be much better than what they have right now at offensive tackles. But, <clears throat> yeah, real quick, because, I mean, we've, I still want to focus on this Doug Peterson, Jalen Hurts, Carl Swanson conversation, but uh, just to throw these little last tidbits in there, Michael Jackwit looked really good. Yeah. Jacquet, excuse me, Michael Jacquet, Jacquet. Uh I, that's, look, I, I remember what happened with Shannon Sullivan last time when he was here and they let him go and now he's a starter on the Packers. I don't want that to happen again. And, I'm, and it's really early to say this, but, I like what I saw in him. I would continue to build on him moving forward. I mean, Monte Maddox is out. Darius Slay, I would assume, is back next week, hopefully. I would still continue to play Jackwood, though. I would still go ahead with him at uh, outside corner. Yeah, Jaquette looked really good, and he competed. I mean, that touchdown pass he gave up to DeAndre Hopkins was just sick for Hopkins. I mean, yeah. that sideline catch, I mean, my my goodness, what, what right. a great that's catch. A, that's an elite wide receiver making a play. The corner did everything he could. That was good coverage, no doubt. And you know, he, he deflected a couple passes. He got, you know, he got his arms up. He's long. He's six foot one, I believe. Um, so he does have some length to do that. Um, I think Jaquette and uh, Slay would be fine at starting corner. Um, and maybe even going into twenty twenty one as well. Um, depending, of course, what they do in the draft. But then that lets you move Maddox back inside to the slot or play him at free safety, which I think is his best position anyway. Um, you know, so that gives you more flexibility. But it quite really showed up, no doubt. And, and you know who else played well was Nikel Roby Coleman. I mean, you know, he made 10 tackles. He had great coverage on Fitzgerald on that touchdown throw. Again, another great catch by Fitzgerald. I mean, those right, size matters in that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's just it was a great catch, a great throw. Nikel Roby Coleman, I think that was him that was in the end zone on that yeah, touchdown. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, he that play he made to force the fumble from Kyler Murray – after yeah. Jaquette knocked uh, Murray to the ground and NRC comes flying in and knocks the ball loose before Murray's down and then recovers it. Um, I mean, he that was his best game that he's played in Philadelphia. Yeah. 
without a doubt. So, you know, both those guys really made plays. Um, I, I thought Epps stepped up pretty well, too. Good, too. I was surprised at that. I mean, he whiffed on that eight-yard touchdown run that Murray had. Um, but then once I, don't you know who teaches, I don't know who teaches this team how to tackle. Honestly, I don't know who teaches the DBs how to tackle. I thought Corey Underland was teaching them the wrong way, and then Marquis Manor comes in, but they still tackle the same way because what kills me about this team is they throw their shoulders in to make these tackles. Like, Jalen Mills does it all the time. Like, it never works. Yeah. And uh, you have to wrap up. Wrap up. Don't try to these jarring hits. Don't try to just lean in with your shoulder with these hits. Wrap up. I don't understand. Yeah, that was a bad miss that he had on that Max Williams uh, 42-yard reception. Horrible miss because he goes into him with his shoulder. I mean, the guy's yeah. way bigger than you, man. Tackle him. Wrap up. Yeah, just just throw your shoulder blade, your shoulder pads right into his rib cage, man. Dive at his upper body and and try to wrap up on him. Yeah, always, diving at it, his feet. The linebackers do it. The DBs do it. It's been happening ever since Jim Schwartz comes here. I I don't get it. I don't understand. I understand like you want to make the Madden huge hit plays where you the, you jar knocking plays where the guy fumbles, but this is football, man. This is the big leagues. Nobody's doing that. That doesn't really happen. Max Williams is way bigger than you, Jalen. Yeah, I know. Uh, and with Epps and that miss on Murray, I mean, Murray makes a lot of guys miss. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to kill Epps for it. But the problem was, was after Epps missed, there was nobody that even touched Murray, nobody even close enough to try to make a, a right. tackle on him. You know, it was just a wide open lane um, that once he got by Epps, he was gone. But Epps played well. I mean, I will give him that. He has had some challenges this year, no doubt. You wonder why he's on the roster. But uh, he stepped up yesterday, and maybe they're growing him, and maybe he's, you know, catching on now, and uh, it could be a, a good piece in the future. Absolutely. I thought Mills played well, too. I, I did think he played well. I just think, I mean, again, but the tackling just always frustrates me. But yeah. this defense, I, I know they gave up a lot of yards, but – yeah. They fight. I mean, the the bend and don't break is seriously there with them, though. I will say. Yeah. I mean, they made some plays. They got they got three turnovers. You know, Epps had the pick. Yeah, that's without the- Darius Slay out there too, mind you. Yeah, I, I just you know I thought they made some plays. They gave up five hundred twenty plus yards in offense, but um, you know they 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 put the team in position to win. I mean, this game was tied at twenty six, and then. You know, Arizona makes that drive and, and scores, but the Eagles still were in position to win a couple times late. They just couldn't execute on offense to, to tie the game. But um, the defense, as weird as it is to say, they played well enough to, to get a win. I mean, that block punt that they gave up started one of their drives at the six-yard line. They couldn't stop that. They gave up a safety. I mean, that's nine points right there, and you lose by seven. So, um, you know, I thought – it's weird, but the defense did give them a chance to to win the game, especially when you look how shorthanded they were in the secondary. Both starting cornerbacks out. Um, Kevon Seymour gave them, you know, forty plus good snaps. I thought, um, you know, the, say what you want about Schwartz, but you know he's a pretty good defensive coordinator. If you can get that kind of effort out of some young guys, then then he, you know he's doing something right. They 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 held him to seven. I mean, after that sixteen. 16- Nothing lead. They only held them to 17 after that, and the Eagles scored 26. So, I mean, yeah. Any other day, any other couple plays go right, they win that game. So, I thought the defense did enough, too, to win that game for sure. Uh, but let's end it with you still think Doug doesn't come back this after in 2021? Man, I I don't know. I, I think I, I don't think he comes back. I really don't. Um, I don't either. 
I still don't. It's a, it hasn't done enough for me yet to think so. I think Larry's mind's already made up. Yeah, and I think it could be a package deal when neither he or Wentz come back. Um, but again, getting rid of Wentz is more difficult than getting rid of Doug. But I just think uh, Doug's time has run its course, and that happens with head coaches. You know, eventually, you're, you know, you're hired to be fired. You know, there are the exceptions. Obviously, Andy Reid was here for 14 years. Bill Belichick in New England. Um, you know, there are some exceptions to those rules, but it just feels like this thing has gotten a little bit stale. Uh, and maybe a different voice would help. And certainly, help, you know, something needs to be done in the offseason. I think there's going to be changes. We already saw it uh, with John Dorsey, you know, the kind of the revelation that John Dorsey was brought in to, you know, help evaluate some of the, the talent on the team and to kind of be another set of eyes for Howie Roseman after losing Douglas and Andrew Berry, um, you know, kind of in a shorter period of time there. So, you know, we've already kind of seen some changes take place. And I, and I don't think we're done seeing them. And I think Doug is going to be one of the big ones that uh, will have to go. Yeah. I mean, for the John Dorsey side, it looks, I mean, it's, he's a hot GM candidate though. So I don't really expect him to stay on. I think Houston or Atlanta might give him a job, but if he doesn't get a job, obviously he's going to stay on. So I think it does help to have another set of eyes like that who has experience in John Dorsey. I'm not, raving for him because I read one of your colleagues uh, articles for works for the Browns that size Peter Smith and I mean John Dorsey is the GM that you hired to get fired like mm-hmm. you're saying he'll, he'll set you up at with some at some positions he'll get you some type of player that can, you can build upon and then that's it then you have to fire him after that because the rest of you can't pick a good head coach I'd be worried if he would be involved in the head coaching search to be honest with you to be quite honest with you I'd be worried yeah, well, I mean, if he just has that minimal voice, I mean, yeah, he might be involved, but he's not going to be the final. Right, if he's, a, if he's a consultant, that's not that big of a deal because, I mean, right. Kelly had the Kelly Green Show, football Kelly had uh, Andrew Brandt on her podcast, and he even said it himself. He was a consultant for the Eagles. He's like, we don't really do all that much. We just talk to the guys. Like, we just give our opinions. Yeah. So I don't really expect John Dorsey to have much say either, but if he does stay, they do give him a full-time role. I'd be a little worried about him picking the head coach because, I mean, he had seven had Kevin Stefanski and Freddie Kitchens right in front of him, and then he picked Freddie Kitchens, and then they fire Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey, and they bring Andrew Berry in from the Eagles, and he immediately goes, I'm going to write this wrong and go get Kevin Stefanski and look at the look what's happening now. So I would be a little bit worried about him picking the – I mean, I'm still worried about Jeffrey and Howie picking the head coach. They lucked themselves into Doug. They almost hired Ben McAdoo. Like, yeah, and I, 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 and Adam Gase too. Yeah, and Adam Gase. They were. I mean, they they tempered themselves on Adam Gase because they could have hired Adam Gase right away, but they let him go ahead and talk to and Miami they, too. But yeah. yeah, you're right though. They were they were in on Adam Gase and they were in on, but they were but they were mostly on a Ben McAdoo, and I'm not going to forget that. So <laughs> I'm I'm not really jumping off the walls for this <laughs> panel of head. All they need to do is add Char- Charlie Casterly to the crew, and it's going to be a great time. With the picking head coaching uh, candidate, but I just I don't I I still don't see, and it's unfortunate too because I do think Doug's a good head coach, and then yeah. part of, part of me really wants to try again to bring in convince him to bring in a new offensive coordinator to let him play call and just find a way to get some common ground there and try again. But we've seen what happened when the dream team died. I I keep comparing this season to the 2012 season for a reason. 
I think the magic here is just dead. And not only that, if you do want to move forward with Carson Wentz, he doesn't trust your head coach. So you have no. to change something. Something's got to change. And if you do want to move over forward with Jalen Hurts, do you really want the coach who you would put in charge of developing Carson Wentz, who has a hand in his regression being as bad as it is developing Jalen Hurts? I'm not really too hype about that one. I don't know about you guys. But yeah. I, I I still don't think with how this is going right now, uh the Peters have bought any time. I still think it's you still gotta make that move. Well, you know, they've lost nine games. I mean, that's a career high for Doug. They lost nine in his rookie season in twenty sixteen and you know, they could lose ten, they could lose eleven. Um, do you bring back a fifth year guy with ten losses or you know, nine losses? You know, I just you, you would hope that you have made enough progress that that would be avoidable to lose that many games. Um, but again, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances here, and I'm with you. I <clears throat> part of me hates to see Doug go because I do think he is a good head coach, and um, you know, I, I think he still has a shelf life to be an NFL head coach. I just don't know if it's here. He um, needs to really sit down and look in the mirror and say, "I'm a bad play caller." Though he needs to accept <clears throat> that. You just accept it already. I I could trust you for like. The second half, maybe a play calling, but I can't trust you with the first half. You can't script the game anymore to start the game off to save yeah. it. But like, just accept it. Just accept it. Come to the reality. If Carson Wentz has to come to the reality that he might not be this good of a quarterback anymore, Doug Peterson definitely has to come to the reality that he's not that good of a play caller. Yeah. It just has to be the truth. If that's what has to happen if you stay here. Um, and it, yeah. And it comes back to preparation. I mean, somebody has to answer for these slow starts. And, Doug keeps giving the same answers over and over. And, you know, sometimes he doesn't know. Today I heard, you know, on the radio show, his Monday morning w- weekly radio show, he says maybe it was the long plane ride to Arizona that gave him the, sh- the, the, the slow start. I mean, come on. Uh, somebody's going to have to answer to that. And if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, that's going to be the first question I'm going to ask Doug. And I better get a good answer as to why, uh, you know, we're not prepared to start games. That's a coaching staff thing. That's not a player thing. That's on the coaching staff. And when you talk about Frank Reich's influence, I mean, they were the ones that tweaked the game plan the night before it was put in place. And then he and Frank went over it with a fine tooth comb, tweaked it, made any kind of slight alterations or bigger adjustments if necessary. Uh, you know, but they had practiced it all week. I don't know how, you know, you got to be practicing this script and you got to stick to the script. You can't veer off the script if something goes wrong in those first 15, 20 plays. Um, so that to me is a real big indictment on Doug is that there's just slow starts. Just that's on him. And my question for everybody out there wants to keep Doug Peterson, because there's still a firm belief behind him is I know we want to always use, well, he's been to the playoffs every year as a head coach besides one, maybe another now coming up, but they went from winning the Super Bowl to progressively regressing every year. They literally have. They regressed every year. They're one Cody Parkey uh, make field goal away from being one and done. Then they get one and done again in Seattle. I, again, we had that contest. This clowny did not once out. But still, the, now they're looking at what's happening this year. At yeah. what point do you realize things are keep going downwards? They're not looking upwards because I don't think anything's looking upwards with how this is going right now. Doug Peterson's ship. If if you realize that, I'm sure Jeffrey Lurie realizes that. So I still think that they move on from Doug Peterson at the end of the season and just yeah. they need to change on offense. They need a different offense. They need a different scheme. It's not working anymore. 
I just want them to get out of the Andy Reid shadow once and for all. Yeah. Completely new. It, I honestly, it didn't work with Chip Kelly, but don't let the Chip Kelly stigma ruin it for you. Yeah. Go find a different coach with a different system. See what he can do. Maybe a Brian Dabble out in Buffalo comes in, and he, he's your he's your Philadelphia type coach. He worked with Jalen Hurts in Alabama. He could fix Carson once. Maybe you go with that route. Maybe you go the Arthur Smith route in Tennessee, who really the reclamation project with Ryan Tannehill is insane if you look at the numbers, what he's mm-hmm. done with Ryan Tannehill. So maybe you want him to rec- reclamation project with Carson Wentz. Maybe you want him to use Jalen Hurts, who I thought would have been a perfect spot going into Tennessee when he was drafted. You got to go another route, though. That's all I know. Maybe you go Joe Brady. Maybe you can get help the wide receivers out and go Joe Brady and give Carson Wentz the or Jalen Hurts, the, the Joe Burrow-type astronomical jump with Joe Brady's offense. I don't know. You got to go something else, though. You got to do something else. You got to change it up. It's got to yep. change. That's yep. all I got to say on that. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Of course, you can always check out Ed's articles on the Eagles Sports Illustrated of Madman page. Him and John McBone are killing it with their Eagles coverage so far. He Ed is firm on the Jalen Hurts train. I love it. I do <laughs> love it. I mean, I like I said it from the start. You can like both quarterbacks because they both wear Eagles jerseys. And not only that, I, I I just feel calm, cool, and collective because I feel like no matter what route the Eagles go in, they're okay at the quarterback position because both guys are talented. You yeah. guys can feel that way too. It's okay. You're allowed to. You can feel that way. Because I think, like I always compare this season to the 2012 season, I think it's going to be the same way when they start out the 2013 season. They hire a new head coach and they do a quarterback battle to see if the expensive quarterback that they had before that they invested in is worth it. Or is it this, this rookie from last year making his second year jump is the guy that they should roll with going forward. And then maybe it goes the same way as 2013. They go with Carson once he gets hurt. Jalen Hurts goes 27-2 and two and woo wins the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles after the next head coach comes down. <laughs> I like it, man. I like that plan. Let's go with hey, that. Man. Whatever gets us in the Eagles another Lombardi, I'm all with. That's all that matters. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.